the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to the conversation. Craig Roberts in studio today with Pastor Timothy Russell. He is senior pastor of New Hope Christian Fellowship and the church broadcast now heard Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m. right here on KFAX. Great way to get your uh, your Sunday morning off to a wonderful start in the Word. And, you know, talking before the break, Pastor, I was struck by this notion that, yeah, we sometimes do put forward the idea that the church is about a place occupied with flawless, perfect people. But at the end of the day, if we were all flawless, perfect people, that would also suggest that we would be capable of keeping the law. Mm -hmm. And we know certainly that isn't true. And so sometimes perhaps there is a disconnect in adequately communicating to the outside world, to the non-believers, that it was while we were yet in our sins that Christ died for us. And the church is not a place to be occupied by perfect people, but by people that are imperfect in the process of being perfected. That's right. And we're all at different stages along the way. And and maybe if folks saw the body of believers, the modern-day church today is more of a hospital that they can run into broken and failing and wounded and hurting and having all the flaws that are inherent to man's fallen sin condition, and to be able to, through a time in God's Word and prayer and discipleship, slowly shed all of those flaws. Sadly, though, we don't preach much of that anymore, that notion of sin, salvation, and the process of sanctification. Come on. Now, I mean, I grew up where it was, th- it was the three works of grace. It was, it was justification, regeneration, and sanctification. There's this process that where he um, turns us around to flow in a different direction. And um, we don't teach it enough. We teach it at New Hope all the time. I'm part of a pastoral team that um, we do not mind testifying about the goodness of the Lord in our lives, I think there are three things I deal with every single day. There is the struggles that are on each side of me that are pulling on me, things that I was the product of, my environment, you know, they're pulling on me every single day that I have to overcome. Then there's the past tapping me on my shoulder and in front of me is my distraction. And and, and if I, and when I use this illustration, I have someone in front of me, my wife, because she's beautiful and she's a distraction. <laughs> and then on the side of me, I asked two men to come and just pull on each one of my arms. And then I had one of the other pastors tap me on the shoulder the whole time. And I said, this is what your life looks like. But we press towards the mark of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. And I wanted them to understand, don't think you're weird. Don't think that you're not normal because everyone's life looks like this. And some of us know how to press a little bit better because we've matured in Christ and we know how to get past the distraction and we know how to shake off the struggle and we know how to ignore what's tapping us on the shoulder because we know God's goodness and mercy is following us. We know that his rod and staff is there to comfort us. But for the babies, 
a lot of times they're knocked out the box because when they go through those things, they go, well, what's wrong with me? And I, I don't get it. And why am I still struggling if I'm saved? And they need to know that this is going to be what your life looks like for the rest of your life. But now you have the strength of the Lord in every weak area of your life to give you the power to overcome anything. So, so it, it is in that sense then a battle. Yeah. And we see these illustrations throughout Scripture. And I am struck by the notion that if you've ever visited a museum that dates back to the times of the knights, you see that the armor that they put on was not simply a breastplate that covered the front, that the right. armor, in fact, that they put on covered the whole body, mm-hmm. both right and left and front and head and back, because we are essentially surrounded by the enemy yes, in, in, in so many respects. And so to understand that putting on daily the whole armor of God that provides us that 360-degree protection from all sides is an important thing to keep in mind, and that this is not a... We know how the war comes out. We know at the end of the day who wins the war, when, and how. Scripture gives us that insight. Right. But it's in the process of winning the war that you have to fight the battles. Right. You know, you just gave me a sermon. I'm, I, you gave me something to preach on, I tell you. Because Someday. Yeah, I'm going to do that. <laughs> you know, because when you gave me the illustration there, the armor, I never thought about that. And I think where in, individuals struggle is they're not taught how to function within the armor. And it's frustrating because armor, is it makes you uncomfortable. And the Word of God makes us uncomfortable. Our flesh is not comfortable in the Word of God. It never will be. It's an enemy to God, and God's an enemy to our flesh. So if we can get this armor on and then be taught how to function in it, um, there's some restrictions with the armor. There's benefits, and but then there's also things you can't do in the armor that you could do if you don't have the armor on. So the enemy frustrates us to the point where we start taking it off. Mm-hmm. Come on now. Come on. So we can function a little bit easier and we're more comfortable. And now we're susceptible to what the enemy wants to do in our lives and how he wants to frustrate them. And I tell the church all the time, there are two enemies that we deal with. There's the enemy that we always talk about, the E-N-E-M-Y, the enemy. But then there's another enemy. There's the I-N-A-M-E, the enemy. Mm -hmm. There's something in me that's connecting with the enemy on the outside that I have to battle with every single day. And that's where I depend on the Lord to give me strength to overcome. And Paul spoke of dying daily to the flesh. It wasn't a once and done. (laughs) Now, we don't want to confuse people in the sense that our salvation is set and secure, that Christ's death on the cross was sufficient for all sin, for all mankind, for all time, forever. That's right. But that we have to die daily to the flesh because of that battle. That's right. And also to be, I think, cognizant of the fact as we speak about the battle lines being drawn all around us, that those battles can take place in the mind. They can take place in the heart. Yep. They can take place in the finances. They can take place in the look or gaze that you give to another woman who does not happen to be your wife. That's right. It can be the manner in which you deal with your children. It can be the manner in which you handle your business at home or at church. All of those areas are 
battlegrounds that we need to be prepared for to do battle. One of the areas that I know both you and your wife, Vanessa, are very passionate about is is the battleground that takes place in relationships. Mm -hmm. In fact, you've just started a new broadcast here on KFAX Saturdays at noon called Equally Yoked that really goes to the heart of this matter of understanding the the unique relationship between a couple and their God and the importance of that synergy yeah. That takes place in, you know, uh, I'm drawing for the audience here. Yeah. You can't see on the radio. It <laughs> uh, takes place in that in that, that triangular relationship with God at the head and, and the husband and wife at each side, yeah. but all in equal balance and equal relationship to one another. Yeah. And that if any side of that triangle gets broken, that relationship fails. Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, my wife is so great at describing what equally yoked means and when we were on the show she was just talking about how we all have that we have this yoke around us where we're carrying this burden of the lord that he's given us and i and i don't want to use a burden in the wrong tense where it's oh marriage is a burden no but it's a responsibility to one another but we're carrying it together and and god's right there connected to us uh, giving us the strength to accomplish what he's put before us to accomplish. If you've ever seen the illustration of two oxen together, yeah. and uh, sometimes you'll see these oxen, one may look old and tired and beat up and has been plowing the field for many, many years, yeah. and the animal is tired and doesn't have the energy, is slumping, is stumbling, and you see the weight that that causes on the other oxen, who now is having to pick up the extra burden, and oftentimes in that yoke, they're heavy things if you've ever seen them on the farmland. They're, yeah. they're made out of solid wood, four, sometimes six inches thick. And if both aren't equally carrying the weight, yeah. is it any wonder that you see one side start to collapse and then that yoke falls into the ground and then it burrows into the soil and suddenly now neither of those oxen That's right. are able to move ahead? That's right. And, and, and it really, that is such a great illustration of what you just gave right there. I mean, we have to definitely understand that process and understand. I tell my children, I tell my wife, I tell the church, you have to pray for me. I'm not going to be the husband you want me to be, honey, if you're not praying for me. Children, I'm not going to be the dad you need me to be if you're not praying for me. Church, I'm not going to be the pastor that you need me to be if you're not praying for me. And it's important for them to understand that in order for me to hold up my end of the relationship with each one of these components and even more, even my job, I have to be in the will of God. I have to be strengthened by the Lord and I have to be doing what he's told me to do. And if I don't, I'm going to be just like the illustration. I'm going to be dragging the marriage, dragging the relationship of my children, dragging the church down because I'm not where I'm supposed to be because I'm not prayed up. I'm not, as my mom would say, if you ain't prayed up, you ain't stayed up, you know? (laughs) Joining me today in studio, Pastor Timothy Russell, Senior Pastor at New Hope Christian Fellowship. We'll take a brief time out, back to more of our conversation. By the way, more information available about the ministry, which is located in Hayward at 22110 Montgomery Street, just off Mission in Hayward. Information on the web at hope4hayward.com. That's hope4hayward.com. A brief time out, back with more right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. 
Welcome back to our conversation today in studio, Pastor Timothy Russell, Senior Pastor of New Hope Christian Fellowship. Of course, the broadcast heard Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m. right here on KFAX. And uh, I'm curious the motivation in terms of not only bringing the pulpit ministry to Northern California, as you do through the New Hope uh, Christian Fellowship broadcast again Sundays at 1030, but the Equally Yoke program. Um, You've clearly identified some challenges that marriages are facing these days, yeah. where, let's face it, statistics alone bear out between the high percentage of marriages that end in divorce and then a higher percentage of young people today that just look at marriage and say, no, you know what, I, I see what happened to my aunt and uncle or to my parents, and I don't even want to start that process. That's oh, right. we'll have kids, we'll cohabitate, but uh, all this commitment business now, that just gets too involved. That, that's that's too, too sticky of a thing to get involved with. Yeah. It must really burden the heart of the Lord to know that the very institution that he created through which he should be glorified is facing the challenges it's facing in society today. Yeah. I, it, I, I think that part of the problem is, again, uh, we're destroyed for lack of knowledge. Um, uh, we, we're not making, me and my wife talk about it, we're not making home the priority. You know, one thing we do at our church is our communion service is family run or family driven. It's not done from the pulpit. Um, the greeters come out, the ushers come out and they hand out communion. And I immediately say, or one of the senior leaders, leaders at the church say, Hey, turn to your family now and administer communion. Wow. And it's so powerful because some take a long time, some take a short time. But when you see this picture of these groups of families and some people come without their family and they just get adopted for the day. Come on into my family. It it, it really is putting family on the forefront. It's making people understand that we're about family here. I tell the church all the time, your husband, not Pastor Tim, not Pastor Victor, not Pastor Bill and all the other. Your husband is the priest of your home. He's the priest of your home. He's well. He's not. Oh, my! No, 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 no. The, your husband is the priest of your home. Is he where he needs to be in God? If he's not, he's still the priest of your home. So, don't go home saying, "Well, Pastor Tim said this," and Pastor Tim, because that's not benefiting the home. That's not building the home. So, we really, the Lord gave me and my wife saying, "You're, you're going to have a strong church because you're going to have strong families." So, to your point, I think. The marriages that are failing are failing because of the lack of knowledge and the lack of commitment from institutions and organizations that are helping them be strong. Well, we began our conversation today, Pastor Tim, talking about mentoring and the importance of mentoring. And and I'm struck by the fact that oftentimes even the best intended couple who have met in church and love the Lord and wish to serve the Lord, and yet one or both of whom come from families that have had struggles, Yeah, come from families where there is a strong evidence of lack of leadership by one parent or both, come from families where uh, there's been uh, strife and there hasn't been harmony in the relationship. And so as a result, they have nothing to mimic or model because they've not been exposed to it. And then they take all of the failures of their family of origin into their new relationship. And then we wonder why six months later, six years later, they're standing up in front of the judge saying, throw the bum out, get me out of this relationship. Where do I sign the divorce papers? Uh, Is it important not only in terms of demonstrating and modeling proper 
mentorship for the health of our own marriage relationship, but then for the benefit of our children. And I I think on a couple of levels, not only in terms of seeing how a healthy, happy marriage relationship looks, but also we see such a percentage of young people today who reach collegiate level, Mm -hmm. they're out. They're not only out of the house to go to college, they're out of the church. That's true. And a higher and higher percentage of them we're heretofore, yeah, they might stray and sow their wild oaks as, as we all do mm-hmm. did as kids, but a higher percentage of them are never coming back. Right. And so I have to wonder if part of the problem here, too, is that we kind of thought, well, just by taking them to church would be sufficient. I wonder how many would say, you know, I've never seen mom and dad pray together. Wow. I have never come home to see dad at the end of the day. If I brought him a problem or a concern about something to say, well, let's go to the Word and see what God's Word has to say about wow. this. You know, my son, um, he said something to me. Uh, he said, uh, when you're on the treadmill, I come in, and you don't know that I come into the room, and you have your earphones on, and you have your hands lifted in the air, and you're singing worship music. And that let me know that they're watching us. Mm-hmm. They watch us how we deal with our disagreements. They watch us how, like you said, we pray together. I'm not, my wife is great at praying. She, like I said on our show, she prays over me every morning. I'm laying in the bed and she'll lay her hands on me and pray. And, and my response is, <laughs> hit the snooze button. Give me 10 more. <laughs> so she's real good at praying. Um, but my, the children see that. They see that happening. They, they see us going to church together. They see us active with one another. And it's not a, we look one way at church, and then we look another way at home. We don't do that. And that's important, too, isn't it? Because a lot of believers, they, they put on their Sunday finest. Come on. And they put on their Sunday spirituality. And come Monday, they are back to living like the devil. For wow, the next Sunday night. <laughs> Sunday night, that's right. Sunday night, they might not make it late. Game time, 1 o'clock. That's go. it. I'm done. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I said to, I announced at the church not too long ago, I said, hey, we're getting ready to start having a Sunday night service. And the church cheered. Yay! And I said, but it won't be here at the church. It'll be at your homes, around the table with you and your family. We want you to take the, what you are hearing today, and we want you to go home, and at some point tonight, have Sunday night service at your home, get around the table, and Richard Guest, one of my good friends, and him and his wife run our pastoral care ministry there, he said something to me. He said, we sit around the table and we say things like this, the sermon, was it by the word or was it just, did it preach good? I mean, and they really talk about stuff because, you know, some stuff I may throw out is entertainment, you know, hey, this and that. But but I love the fact that they go and dissect the word together. And I, I tell people all the time, ministry is chicken. You eat the meat and throw out the bone. You don't gnaw on the bone. It's going to hurt your teeth. And, you know, what well, some people do. But, but, but that's what ministry is about. But, well, you know, the irony with that, though, is... And not, not to rob any of your no, no, thunder. No, 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 it's all right. That's not a new concept. People listening saying, wow, really? Church at home? I mean, Come just on, like man. You could have said that with my new one. Come on. Really? <laughs> no, you know what? I, I, I suspect you've probably been through the book of Acts once or twice. Yeah. Because, once or twice. <laughs> yeah, because at the end of the day, what you're talking about is modeling the exact model yes. that was established in the first century church, sometimes with one of the apostles sitting right there. That said, iron sharpens iron. That's right. And not to take anything away from 
the big fellowship, and there's a lot to be said for the choir is just belting it out, and we're all together in harmony, and we're imagining this picture of the thousand of us or ten thousand of us must be a microcosm of what heaven is going to look like. And yet the real work gets done when you're able to sit across the table Mm -hmm. one to another and say, how you doing? Don't give me the, the, I've just walked into church, picked up the bulletin, and I'm going to the pew answer. Give me the answer about what is really going on in your life. Where are you with God today? That's good. And and that's That's where the work takes place. So actually what you're talking about is a concept where the church can be at its best because that's the way God designed it to be in the first place. You know, um, I was at a uh, our district gathering um, with Foursquare, and there was a bunch of pastors. And uh, our our district supervisor, um, Pastor Brian, he said, "Now I want you to turn to the table that you're at and begin to discuss what you were what you learned today." And in that conversation came up where. I tell our staff, I tell our worship leaders, I tell anyone, I says, I don't want them at church every Sunday, and you should have saw the eyes. I want them at church every Sunday in the sense where I want you committed and serving here. But if I see Pastor Randy, who's our worship leader, always at service on Sunday, I want to approach him, and I'm going to say, hey, I need you to take next week off, and you and your wife or you and your family just go off and and enjoy the weekend together somewhere. And I want that on a regular basis, whether it's once a quarter or whatever it is, because we can't be great at corporate, but bad at private. And and really, we're great at corporate worship when we come together and we fellowship together because of what's going on in our homes, what's going on in our private lives. And so we encourage them to make that ministry more important than the corporate ministry. And let's face it, we can all put on a happy face and we can get through a Sunday morning. Yes. But God is the one who examines our very heart. Yes, right. And he's the only one. We might be able to blow it past the boss, the wife, the kids, the IRS. You're not going to blow it past him. You're not. And one of the worst things is for your wife or your husband to be sitting in the audience while you're up there doing what you're doing and they're looking at you like, he or she knows the fight that you just ended 15 minutes before the service started. Yeah, that's right. And is gearing up to get to part two the minute you say, bless God, go home, and do likewise. Yeah. I want my kids to say, you know, I haven't always agreed with my dad, but one thing I can say is he's a man of God. That's greater than someone saying, I love Pastor Tim. He's a great teacher. I, if my kids can say, my dad's a great man of God. That means more to me than what comes from the pews. And, and that really, at the end of the day, is the legacy, isn't it? Yeah. And it takes us back again to that notion of mentorship. Yeah. Pastor Tim Russell with us today, lead pastor at New Hope Christian Fellowship. And again, more information available about the ministry on the web at hope4hayward.com. That's hope4hayward.com. A brief time out, back with more right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to the conversation. Craig Roberts in studio with Pastor Timothy Russell. And joining us right now is Pastor Timothy's number one distraction. (laughs) 
his lovely wife, <laughs> Vanessa. And, of course, you're familiar with Vanessa's work as a host of Abolition Radio, Love Never Fails, heard Saturdays at 3 p.m. right here on KFAX. And uh, yeah. thanks for dropping in. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You're back there what taking notes. Day. Is he pretty accurate yeah. of most things? Oh, yeah. He's on point. Okay, good, good. <laughs> yeah. Just the way you taught him, right? Yeah, that's right. Well trained. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's talk, Vanessa, for a moment about the new radio broadcast, Equally Yoked. And yes. we were talking a bit earlier about this terrible sense of imbalance that yes. often comes to relationships and, and a lack of mentoring. Or as you mentioned, Timothy, just before the break, we can see our parents go through a difficult marriage relationship. We sometimes think that it's all about the people and forget the role that the enemy plays, right. who is vigilant yeah. in doing everything he can to try and destroy relationships because he knows if he can destroy relationships he can put a black eye on the church and if he can put a black eye on the mm. church oh, yeah. he can gain territory to help defeat the church I mean, at right. the end of the day that's that's his modus operandi and so toward that end give us a sense of what you're hoping to accomplish in the radio broadcast in in bringing to the listeners both of your experiences, not yep. only from your own marriage relationship, but the challenges that perhaps you bring to the relationship and, and to your experience from having viewed the way your parents struggled maybe through marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I, you know, when I think about the message that we're sharing at New Hope for this year, which is protect your destiny, uh, and you talked about territory, in my mind, marriage is an assignment that the Lord has given. And that sounds kind of dry. It's a fun assignment. It's it's an enjoyable assignment. Um, But it does come with some work and some effort and some, um, there, there needs to be some clarity on what the assignment is about. And, and, and so what I have learned through my failures really in marriage, I, I was divorced prior to marrying my husband. And, and even in that situation, I realized, um, that, um, it's much more than an attraction, much more than what I can do for you and you can do for me. It has to do about what, who we are in Christ together as one union and what we are purposed to do together. And that really is the destiny that we're protecting as we commit to our marriage, commit to our children, and then even um, are so bold. I'm, I'm really humbled that the Lord has placed on our heart to do Equally Yoked Radio because that then is giving us a platform to not only um, minister to each other in that way and our kids in that way, and hopefully, like I heard in the last segment, replicate amongst our children. I want to see our David and, and Natasha and Eric have healthy marriages and children and households. Um, and, and when we do that, uh, we are um, giving an opportunity to others to have those mentors, to have those role models. And we're going to fall short. And so, you know, we, we're not the end all be all. There's other people we're going to invite in that are going to provide insight. And we're just praying and hoping that someone who's listening will be blessed and um, and will come to know the assignment of the Lord over their life. So to make those marriages, you have to model them. Mm-hmm. Yes. And there's going to be mistakes and errors along the way. But again, it's about that, that perfection process. We That's talked right. earlier about sanctification process mm-hmm. that takes place over time. And it does take effort. It takes work. It, it always amazes me how people think that you can have wonderful relationships with putting no time, no effort, no energy into it whatsoever. And and that is not only blatantly untrue at the horizontal plane, 
It's blatantly untrue with the vertical plane. Mm -hmm. How can you yeah. hope to walk in fellowship with God when you don't read his word, don't pray, don't go to church, don't don't spend time in communion with him? Mm -hmm. Yes. And is it any wonder that Jesus said, oh, yeah, you did miracles in my name? Guess what? I don't know who you are. Oh, man, that's good. I yeah. don't know you. Right. I don't want to hear that from him. Just like I don't want to hear my kids say, Dad, I don't know you. Or, mm -hmm. or my wife say, who are you? Mm -hmm. I don't even know you. That's what's going to that's what the Lord's going to say to many. I don't want to be performing the role of a husband or performing the role of a father because then they don't know me. I want to have relationship with them, which requires time. I have to study my kids just like I have to study the word. I have to love on them just like I have to love on Christ. And then they know me. And then in doing what I'm supposed to do in Christ, he'll know me as well. Is that one of the biggest chastisements that can be out there? I don't know you. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I think I think you have to um, make time for the knowing, for the in intimacy, and you get stuck thinking this marriage, this relationship is my gift for me, instead of realizing that it's a gift that you have to appreciate. You know, just the way when you're, you know, I don't know about you guys, but when we get into worship, when we start uh, worshiping and singing for the, to the Lord, tears come to my eyes and I just cannot believe that I have been blessed to be counted, yeah. you know, by Christ as a, as a daughter. Right. And, and I have to have that same feeling about my marriage, about my kids. I'm, I cannot believe that I'm so blessed mm -hmm. to be married to this, this awesome man that's here and to be, you know, able to appreciate him, love on him, like the gift that he is to me and not take him for granted. And that's hard to do because sometimes we want to be selfish. Hey, this is a gift. I'm keeping it for myself. I'm going to use it up and I'm going to toss it away. But that's not the way you treat a gift that's precious. Or we make demands on one another, and, and even sometimes to the point of distorting Scripture. I mean, what we've all heard repeated a thousand times, and, and uh, women in the audience, uh, you can raise your hand uh, if you feel to do so uh, in acknowledgement of this when there's been an insistent, well, you know, you have to obey me. I mean, Scripture says. <laughs> and, uh, Come on now, you messed it up. Hold on, you messed it up so much. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> We'll talk later. <laughs> but then to recognize that right immediately thereafter, not ten pages later, not not ten chapters or ten books later, right immediately thereafter, we're told, "And husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church." Right. right. So, wow. Okay. Yeah. And the guys kind of dodged the bullet on that one and didn't say, "I have to obey her." Oh, well, but wait a minute, though. How did Christ love the church? Mm. He died, died for the church. Ooh. Became obedient to death. He sacrificed his life right. on a cross. He suffered, bled out, was humiliated, spat upon, yeah. and buried in a borrowed grave for the church. That's right. right. So now, husbands, when you want to talk about obedience, <laughs> why well, just say, okay, but up. now don't forget That's true. what comes right behind that scripture. Right. right. And, you, and you know what? On that, you, when you were talking, he's been giving me all kinds of sermons all day, but <laughs> you were talking because he became obedient unto death for the church. He had a name. God gave him a name that's above all names. And at the mention of his name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess and say that he is Lord. If I'm obedient in that same vein, then my kids will sing my name and say, there's no dad 
like my dad. My wife will say, there's no husband. Look look what God's doing. He's given me a name that's above all names to my family because I'm honoring Christ by doing by, like you said early, mimicking him the way he did the church with my family. And that mentoring, that modeling leads to legacy building. Yeah. And can't we all agree, wouldn't it be so much easier? I mean, people learn in different ways. You can hand somebody an instruction manual and say, here, 500 pages, go, read, memorize, and do this. Mm-hmm. But I like to think most of us learn the easiest by seeing somebody else do it. Yeah. I, never mind that 500 pages. I haven't got time for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, every woman in the audience listening knows exactly what this like. Christmas morning is husband trying to put, <laughs> husband's trying to put together uh, the bicycle for the kid. Yeah. Who needs the instructions? And you know, <laughs> later on, there's 10 bolts and 11 washers all left over. I have no idea where they belong. But the bike works. The, the yes. bike works, yeah. yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> but if you can see it built mm-hmm. yeah. and say, oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. It burn something into your mind and in this example into your heart yes that i think makes the capacity then to repeat so much easier I mean, oh, yeah. how many great cooks out there learned out of a book no they watch mom at the stove that's right yeah and watch what mom did and said okay i'm going to model that mm-hmm. and as a result became an excellent cook if we could just apply the same methodology yeah to our relationships and now live our lives in such a fashion that our kids are not embarrassed someday to look to mom or dad as an example in modeling for parenting or for a marriage relationship, let alone to see dad in the bedroom on his knees yeah. mm-hmm. with the door closed. You just opened the door by accident. There's dad praying. Mm. What young man or, or woman. on the exercise bikes, yelling and worshiping. That's it. Top of yeah. his lungs. Off, off key, we might uh, ask. Yeah. I was on key. I was on key. No, I was on key. But to look at that, and that gets burned indelibly yeah. yes. in your mind. Yes. Yeah. And then you can say later on in life, I know what to do because I've seen it modeled. I mean, let's face it. We know how to live as Christians because we saw Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm modeling it yeah and then the apostles came and said and as paul said follow me as i follow christ right Right. and if we can just see ourselves as a part of that everlasting lineage of that modeling that's being passed down from generation to generation to learn what it's like to be godly husbands godly wives godly parents godly children godly men and women yeah wow the church could really be on fire. Yeah, yes. I totally agree with you on that. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Let's take a time out. We'll come back with some closing remarks. Visiting today in studio with Pastor Timothy and Vanessa Russell. They are senior pastors and first lady of New Hope Christian Fellowship located in Hayward. The broadcast, you need a, a whole list now to keep track of this. <laughs> so uh, Love Never Fails, Abolition Radio, Saturday at 3 p.m. right here on KFAX. Vanessa hosts that. New Hope Christian, Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Pastor Timothy hosts that. And Equally Yoke, Saturdays at 12 noon, they host that together. Details on the web at kfax.com. A brief time out, back with more right after this. 
And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to Lifeline. Today in studio visiting with Pastor Timothy and Vanessa Russell from New Hope Christian Fellowship. Let's talk about the church for a moment. We mentioned about the fact that you folks meet in Hayward. You're at 22110 Montgomery Street off of Mission in Hayward. Give us a sense of what does that congregation look like? You know, we were blessed uh, a little over a year ago, right around a year ago, Mm -hmm. to merge. Two churches became one. Uh, I was pastoring a non-denominational church called Lift Ministries, and Pastor Victor Cervantes was pastoring New Hope. And we decided, as we've been friends for a long time, to come together and be one church. And you, the, God has just blessed it. Yes. I mean, it's it's. I I mean, it's in amazing. all phases. I mean, we we're just. I don't want to say booming out at the scenes, but we're literally yeah. seeing the move of God in a way that. We didn't see it individually. And so what we have there is a group of imperfect, forgiven people being perfected by the Lord with a great leadership team. Mm-hmm. I, I tell I just was telling the pastor in the lobby, I said, I pastor 13 people. That's what I pastor. I pastor the senior leadership team. I pastor them. I pour into them. Then they go and pastor you know, those that God has given underneath them. And some ministries are bigger than my ministry. I'm pastoring 13. You know, Pastor Randy pastors way more than that. You know, but it's it's the, a, isn't that what discipleship is supposed to be? That's what it's it. supposed to be. You know, yeah. when you think about it, oh, yeah. if the shepherd is at the top, you might not have that many. I mean, you look at the house churches, the underground churches, yeah. literally that existed in the first century church, that then had people that below the people that below the people. You might, at the end of the day, have thousands of lives that are being that's influenced. It. The only difference is we don't all come together in the same building at the same time. That's, that's it. Right. That's it. And that's how we are. My wife, um, her and Cindy, they, the women's ministry is huge. It's growing. It's it's something to be looked at. And, uh, again, we're all doing our part. And coming from a college football, I, I played at Humboldt State, with, coming from that mindset is I understand that each position is important. And there's, without the wide receiver, the lineman, I was a running back, I'm no good. I don't care how fast I think I can run. I can't outrun a defense with no protection and no wide receivers. Ronnie Lott would not have many Super Bowl rings were he the only one on the field. Come on. Come on. I mean, and Joe Montana wouldn't either if he didn't have the team around him as well. And then you got a coach, the Lord Jesus, on the sidelines giving you the direction and the plays. And so I think our church is trying to build that model. And we've been real successful, Um, me and my wife, leading from the rear and not always from the front being support rather than always saying, do it this way. Well, and let's face it, even in football, the coach has to step out at some point. Yes. Right. You've been there at practice. You have the you've playbook. You've run the plays. Right. You've designed the playbook. You've chided them when they needed to be chided. You right. encouraged them and blessed them when they needed to be blessed. And then when it comes game day, That's right. you give a little bit of a go get em gang speech in the locker room, and then you have to stand back That's right. and pray That's right. that everything that you've taught has been ingrained in them enough that now their reaction on the field will be instinctive. Yeah. Yes. A lot like the church, isn't yeah. it? Yes. Yeah. I mean, the Bible is the playbook. That's right. And, and the coaching is the preaching. And coming together as a team and practicing on Sundays, yes. knowing that this is not only rehearsal for eventually being all together in heaven. That's right. Mm-hmm. But it's also rehearsal for now stepping out into the highways and byways. Come on. Once pastors said, and you are dismissed, doxology sung, amen, Yeah, and to get out there and then be about that business of representing Christ, Come on. Yes. making disciples, and living out 
that tent maker, workplace evangelism, lifestyle evangelism, whatever you want to call it, being that representative of Jesus Christ in such a fashion so that the one who doesn't have that relationship looks yep. at you and says, what do you have? Who do you know? Mm-hmm. That makes you so different. Yeah. And to that point, I, you know, I never introduced myself to anyone. I'm Pastor Tim. I said, I'm Tim. I, I want to, when they find out that I'm a pastor, I want them to say, I knew it was something. About, because we've made our titles mm-hmm. the most important thing in our lives, not realizing they're gifts that God gave us for the edifying of the church. Well, look in front of the world, you know. Will they know us because we all carry a tag that says, brother yeah. so-and-so? No. It says they will know us by our love. That's right. Yes. That's true. And my, and my wife's real good at that. I mean, she's real good at making sure her name of her organization is Love Never Fails, mm-hmm. to making sure that we're, we, even when we teach, we're trauma-informed. We respect that people are going through things in the audience uh, and and not to just criticize them and beat them down and make them feel like there's no hope. But if we're going to use the scripture to let them know, hey, fix this, we got to also tell them this is how you fix it and God loves you. And we're not the end all. We counsel to an extent and then we want to make sure we bring in those that are qualified and certified to do what we really can't do and shouldn't do you know and i think that um doing that doing it that way has made us successful it also comes back to the sense of process doesn't it yeah paul talked about working out one's salvation Mm -hmm. and also then quickly said oh by the way i have to die daily to the flesh i struggle with this every single day and i think in paul well following his experience on the road to damascus uh, and considering the fact that he probably wrote uh, two-thirds, three-quarters of the mm-hmm. New Testament, you think, hey, this, this guy's pretty well plugged in. Yeah. Right. And yet even he had his struggles. Come on. Mm-hmm. Which shows you how vigilant you need to be in dealing with the enemy. Yes. And that that armor in that battle, 360 around you, yeah. really needs to be a part of, of one's daily mindset, doesn't yes. it? Yeah. Yes. Totally. Totally. I I I I love Paul. I love his writings, and I I love the fact that he said, "There's no good thing in my flesh." I preach that all the time. You know, there's no good thing. It's Jesus that is lifted up. It's Jesus that is worshipped. I'm just a, a, a vessel being used by Him to encourage you, let you know He loves you unconditionally, and He wants to have a relationship with you deeper than you ever thought of. Uh, and I love preaching from my my defeats and and my failures. I don't just preach from successes. Me and my wife don't just talk about, oh, we did this and it's great. We talk about our struggles. We we make fun of them. We laugh about them. Oh, yeah. Well, in our weakness, yeah, he is he made is great. Strong. He is made strong. <laughs> yes. And let's face it, you know, if if life goes on all peaches and cream and everything is great, I don't have a lot of need for What's prayer. I don't really right. have to go to God for anything because it's all looking great on my end. Hey, mm-hmm. there are a lot of folks in Silicon Valley making six figures a year, driving the Tesla, got the good-looking wife. They got the big career job at the IT company that everybody knows. He knows is, me. Boy, I, <laughs> I read your bio. <laughs> life is going great. Yeah. So for what do we need God? Yeah. Right. But the Bible also tells us that it rains on the just it and the unjust. Yeah, that's true. And when that storm comes, yeah. if you're not ready, that's right. That's right. if you don't know the master who can protect you right. and shelter you right. and save you, and right. now you're stunningly facing 
A daughter who's been kidnapped and you don't know where. Yeah. Wow. A son who has been pulled off into a life of drug abuse. Yeah. A diagnosis of cancer in the family. The loss of a job. The foreclosure on a house. Right. When those realities of life hit mm-hmm. and you have no idea where the shelter is to run to. Come on. Um, life can unravel pretty quickly. It, mm-hmm. it can. It can. If you don't know that I can look to the hills from which cometh my help. Yes. You're, you're right. Storms are coming. I don't care how great. And I, I hope anybody's listening right now. They understand that life brings storms. There are things. And if, if your foundation is not the Lord Jesus Christ, the house will fall. And that's really the distinction, isn't it, Tim? Yep. In, in the sense that storms will come to all of us. Yes. Rain on the just and unjust, as we said a moment ago. It is whether or not you are properly prepared to meet that challenge. That's right. Based on your relationship with the Lord, that that I am persuaded that he is able. That's right. Yes. That really makes the distinction as to whether or not you come out on the other side of that storm victorious mm-hmm. or whether that storm causes you to lose all hope mm-hmm. and defeat. That's right. That's, that's true. That's true. Yeah, when I, when I think about um, some of the things that I've gone through in my life, and I, you know, I, I often think that... Um, there's no tears wasted with the Lord, right? And and there's there's I've found purpose in the pain that I've experienced. I've been able to be a, a more relevant witness for Christ yeah. because of that. And um, I can I consider it a, a a badge of honor that I get to be relevant to people that have gone through things, and I get to be a light. And I I, th- I thought it was so interesting. That, uh, I'm actually written into a book from one of my good friends who's a reverend in, uh, in Oakland, and he wrote a book, and uh, he said, uh, Vanessa, you know, she's not from the street. You know, you just know she's not from the street because she uses the king's English, he said. <laughs> and, I, and I thought that was hilarious because here my background is, you know, foster care and abuse and, you know, growing up in poverty and welfare and all these different things, and yet because of Christ. Well, there's the restorative power of God yeah. right he's mm-hmm. a, he's shining through me and convincing people that you know I, I've got King's English you yeah. know yeah. <laughs> I'm all that polished which up the locusts and, have eaten yes he will restore yeah. See, he knows Vanessa but I know Nessa uh-huh. <laughs> Wait a minute, hold on, Nick. That's after the show. No. This is a family-rated program. It is. But Vanessa, because of uh, Vanessa's well acquaintance with Nessa, mm-hmm. she's relevant. And you can't write. My kids can. The kids cannot run anything by her. She is the local branch of the FBI <laughs> in our home, and that's because of things she's seen, things she's experienced, things that she knows. Well, and and all of those experiences, many of them difficult and painful, mm-hmm. all contribute to not only our personality, our ability to weather the storm, but I think also our our knowledge and understanding and relationship of the Lord. Oh, yeah. It's one thing to read in Scripture how that Jesus came to the blind man and took a little bit of spittle and clay and placed it on the eyes and he was given sight again. Yes. Wonderful story. Mm-hmm. Beautiful story. It's another thing to say, I know that I know that I know, not just because the Bible tells me so, but because I've experienced it right. firsthand, because yeah. I too was 
blind or lame or burdened with whatever. Yeah. yeah. And God, very God himself delivered me. And it is that, that power of our own testimony yeah. that not only makes us overcomers, yeah. but I believe also empowers us to be most effective as we share our faith with others. Yes. Appreciate both of you being with us today in studio, Pastor Timothy and Vanessa Russell. Information again about the church on the web at Hope for Hayward. That's the number four. Hayward.com. Hope for Hayward.com. Church meeting at 22110 Montgomery Street off Mission in the city of Hayward. Sunday services 10 a.m. and 7 p.m. Spanish service Sunday afternoons at 2.30 p.m. And then Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. And again, details available on the web at Hope for Hayward.com. The broadcasts equally oaked Saturdays at 12 noon. New Hope Christian Fellowship, Sundays at 10.30 a.m., and Love Never Fails Abolition Radio, Saturdays at 3 p.m., right here on KFAX. That's such a laundry list, I feel like I've forgotten something. (laughs) You got it all. Appreciate you both coming in today and sharing, and we encourage our listeners to either stop by the church if you're new to the Bay Area looking for a new church home. I hope you've heard something in the conversation today that you like. You'll drop by and, and be a visitor this Sunday and check out any of the broadcasts right here on KFAX. Our thanks again to Pastor Timothy and Vanessa Russell from New Help Christian Fellowship for being with us today. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Media Group, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.